Section twelve of the Murder of Delicia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Angelique Campbell, July twenty twenty. The Murder of Delicia by Marie Corelli. Chapter ten. The first person Delicia saw after her hostess on entering the room was her husband she bowed to him serenely with a charming smile and playful air as if she had only just left his company then passed him by entering at once into conversation with an artist of note who came eagerly forward to present his young wife to her carleon quite taken back stared at her half angrily half obsequiously but there was something very queenly in the way she moved something very noble in the manner she carried her proud little head on which the diamond star she wore shone like venus on a frosty night he watched her slim figure and its white draperies moving hither and thither he saw the brilliant smile light up her whole countenance and flash in her violet eyes he watched men with distinction in art and statesmanship crowd around her with courtly flatteries and elegantly worded compliments and the more he watched her the more morose and ill-humoured he became anyhow he muttered to himself she is my wife and she can't get rid of me she has no fault whatever to find with me in the eyes of the law he had always been vain of his personality and it irritated him curiously to notice that she never glanced once in his direction no one could possibly deny his outward attractiveness he was distinctly what is called a beautiful man beautiful in form and physique manly in bearing godlike in feature nothing could do away with these facts and he had imagined that when delicia tender worshipping delicia set eyes on him again after her temporary absence from him her ravishment at the sight of his perfections would be so great that she would fling herself into his arms or at his feet and as he expressed it to himself make it all right but her aspect this evening was rather discouraging to these hopes for she seemed not to see him or his attractions at all she was apparently more fascinated with the appearance of a gouty ambassador who sat far back in a corner carefully resting one foot on a velvet hassock and who was evidently afraid to move to this old gentleman delicia talked in her most charming manner and garleon as his eyes wandered about the room suddenly caught the mischievous and mocking glance of la marina a glance which said as plainly as words what a fool you are flushing with annoyance he moved from the position he had taken up near the grand piano and strolled by himself through the rooms picking out here and there a few of his own friends to speak to who however seemed to have nothing much to say except how charming lady carleon looks this evening a phrase which irritated rather than pleased him simply because it was true it was true that delicia looked lovely it was true that she eclipsed every woman in the room by her intelligence grace of manner and brilliancy of conversation and it was true that for a time at least she was the centre of attraction and absorbed the whole interest of every one present and carleon was distinctly vexed at the sensation she made because he had no part in it 
because he felt himself left out in the cold and moreover because he was forced to understand that she his wife had determined that so he should be left he would not perhaps by some defect of brain he could not realized that he had himself forfeited all claim to her consideration or respect and he was glad when the arrival of another celebrity was announced who at once distracted the attention of the frivolous throng from delicia altogether a lady of brilliant beauty and of exalted rank who had distinguished herself by coming a demi-mondaine of the most open and shameless type but who nevertheless continued to move in society as the phrase goes with a considerable amount of arclay simply because she had money and was wont to assist churches with it and shower pecuniary benefits on penniless clerics deity through the said clerics blessed her in spite of her moral backslidings and instead of denouncing her as it should have done the church went to her garden parties lady branswith was a clever woman in her way as well as a beautiful one she loved her own vices dearly and was prepared to sacrifice anything for the indulgence of them husband children name fame honor but she took a great deal of pains to keep in with pious people and she knew that the best way to do that was continually to give largesse all around the worthy clergyman of the parish in which her great house was the chiefest of the neighborhood shut his eyes to her sins and opened them to her checks so all went well and merrily with her her entrance into lady dexter's drawing-room was the signal for a complete change in the attitude of the fashionable throng everyone craned their necks to look at her and comment on her dress and diamonds people began to whisper to each other of the newest bits of scandal about her and alicia with her fair face and unsullied character was soon deserted and forgotten she was rather glad of this and she sat down in their tired corner to rest near the entrance to the great conservatory where the curtain shaded her from the light and where she could see without being seen she watched the smiles and gestures of lady branswith with a good deal of inward pain and contempt that is the kind of society women men like she mused one who will go down into the mud with them and never regret the loss of cleanliness i think she is a worse type than la marina for la marina does not pretend to be good but this woman's whole life is occupied in the despicable art of feigning virtue she remained in her quiet nook looking at the restless talking giggling throng and now and then turning her eyes towards the flowers in the conservatory tall lilies brilliant azaleas snowy crepe jessamine drooping passion flowers all exquisite creations of perfect beauty yet silent and seemingly unconscious of their own charms how much more lovely and worthy of love flowers are than human beings she thought if i had been the creator i think i would have given the flowers immortal souls rather than to men at that moment her husband passed her without perceiving her lady branswith was on his arm 
evidently delighted to be seen in the company of so physically handsome a person the little diamond sewn on her priceless lace flashed in delicious eyes like sparks of light the faint sickly odor of patchouli was wafted from her garments as she moved the hard lines which vice and self-indulgence had drawn on that fair face were scarcely perceptible in the softened light and her little low laugh of coquettish pleasure at some remark of lord carleon's sounded musical enough even to delicia who though she knew and detested the woman's character could not refrain from looking after her half in wonderment half in aversion within a few paces of where she sat they stopped lord carleon placed a chair for his fair companion near a giant palm which towered up nearly to the roof of the conservatory and then drawing another door aside sat down himself at last in my wretched life i am allowed a moment's pleasure he said conveying into his fine eyes a touch of the beautiful sullenless expression which he generally found answers so well with women lady branswith laughed unfurling her fan dear me how very tragic she said i had no idea you were so wretched lord carleon on the contrary i thought you were one of the most envied of men carleon was silent a moment looking at her intently the only man in the world to be really envied is your husband he said morosely and alicia hidden by the protecting curtain kept herself quite still a smile of disdain came on her proud mouth as she thought within herself what liars men are i have heard him say often that lord branswith ought to be hounded out of the clubs for allowing his wife to dishonor his name and now he declares him to be the only man in the world to be really envied but carleon was speaking again and some force stronger than herself held her there motionless an unwilling listener you've never been kind to me he complained the beautiful sullenness look deepening in his eyes lots of other fellows get a chance to make themselves agreeable to you but you never gave me the ghost of one you're awfully hard on me lily he paused a moment before uttering lady branswith's christian name then spoke it softly and lingeringly as though it were a caress she by way of reply gave him a light tap on the cheek with her fan and you are awfully impertinent she said smiling don't you remember you are a married man i do to my cost he answered and you are a married woman oh but i am so different she declared naively you see you have got a wonderful celebrity for a wife clever and brilliant and all that now poor branswith is a dreadful dear old dunce and i should really die if i hadn't some other man to speak to sometimes or several other men he put in taking her fan from her hand and beginning to wave it to and fro she laughed perhaps how jealous you are do you treat your wife to these sort of sarcasms i wish you wouldn't talk about my wife he said pettishly my wife and i have nothing in common really lady branthwith yawned slightly how often it happens in married life doesn't it she is here to-night isn't she yes 
she is in the room somewhere and carleon began to look decidedly cross she was quite the centre of attraction until you came in then of course it was a case of a small star paling before the full moon in all her splendour how sweetly poetical but please don't break my fan and she took the delicate toy in question from him it costs twenty guineas and it isn't paid for yet let me settle the bill said carleon looking adoringly into her eyes or any amount of bills a faint tremor ran through delicia's body as though a cold wind were playing on her nerves bending a little forward she listened more intently <laughs> generous man laughed lady branswith i know your wife has made you rich but i remember the time when you were not a bit flush of money were you poor boy but you were always very nice and very complimentary even then glad you admit it said carleon drawing a little nearer to her the memory of it may decide you not to throw me over now what nonsense you talk and lady branswith gave him her hand to hold i want to see your wife to introduce me to her i have often been on the point of meeting her but never have done so she doesn't know the people i know and i don't know the people she knows so we've always missed each other she is such a genius dunce as you are you must have sense enough to be very proud of her carleon looked dubious then he suddenly said well i don't know i think a clever woman a writer of books you know like my wife is a mistake she is always unsexed as the word passed his lips delicia rose pale fair and calm in her glistening robes and confronted them like an austere white angel suddenly descended from heaven to earth she stood quite silent looking straight at her husband and his companion with such grand scorn in her dark violet eyes as made carleon shrink within himself like a beaten hound lady branswith glanced up at her with a half impertinent half questioning smile but not a word did delicia utter one moment she stood surveying the disloyal ungracious and ungrateful churl who owned all he possessed in the world to her tenderness and bounty then coldly quietly and with an unshaken grace of bearing and quinliness of movement she turned away her soft satin train sweeping them by as she moved forward into the crowded rooms and disappeared who was that wonderful-looking woman asked lady branswith eagerly carleon flushed anon grew deadly pale that was delicia my wife he answered curtly that that the novelist almost screamed lady branswith why didn't you say so why didn't you introduce me i had no idea she was like that i thought all literary women wore shorthand spectacles good gracious me and she must have heard you say you considered her unsexed billy what a brute you are carleon started angrily the fair lillian he used in former days to call each other billy and lily so frequently that a wag among their acquaintance made a rhyme on them running thus lily and billy are invariably silly 
and at that time he did not mind it but now considering that he was lord carleon he did not care to be addressed as billy and his resentment showed itself pretty plainly on his darkened countenance but lady branswith was too much excited to heed his annoyance the idea she continued if she was sitting there all the while she must have heard everything a nice mess you've made of it if i were in her place i'd throw you off like a pair of old shoes i haven't the least doubt you would he said with temper it's the way you behave with most men who have the honour of sharing your favour lady branswith showed her pearly teeth in a savage little smile you were always what is called rather shady billy she observed calmly but i didn't give you credit for being quite a cad ta-ta i'm going to find your wife and introduce myself to her you know in society people said you were to be pitied for marrying a literary celebrity but i shall put the gossips right on that point i shall tell everybody it is she who is to be pitied for marrying a military non-entity with a little laugh at her own sarcasm she left him and started on a voyage of discovery after delicia the people were wedged together in groups at every available point to watch the dancing of la marina who had commenced her performance and it was announced for that evening as mademoiselle violet de gascon out of deference to the proprietaries who might possibly have been shocked had they been too openly told the figurante was the empire's famous marina though they were quite aware of the fact all the time when the strange motley we call society one of the chief rules is that if you know a truth you must never say it you must say something else as near to a lie as possible for example if you are aware and everybody else is aware that a lady of exalted title has outraged or is outraging every sense of decency and order in her social and private life you must always say she is one of the most pure and innocent creatures living of course if she is a nobody without any rank at all you are at liberty to give her poor name over to the dogs of slander to rend at will but if she is a countess or a duchess you must entirely condone her vulgar vices think of her title think of her family connections think of the manner in which her influence might be brought to bear on some little manner in which you personally have an interest lady branswith knew all this well enough she knew exactly how to play her cards and she was sufficiently a woman of the world to salute la marina with a pretty bow and compliment as soon as her dance was finished and to express the plaintive wish uttered sighingly how glad i should be if i were half so clever whereat marina sniffed the air dubiously and said nothing Jolia muggins alias violet de gascon knew a thing or two it was not to be taken in by lady branswith or any of her set she was keenly disappointed delicia had not been present to see her dance and she had very much wished to create a favourable impression on that sweet thing in white as she called her she had danced her best gracefully and with an exquisite modesty too exquisite for many of the gentlemen assembled 
some of whom whispered to each other that she was going off a bit simply because they could not see much above her slender ankles she herself however cared nothing for what they said or thought and at the conclusion of her dance she boldly asked her hostess where lady carleon was she has gone home i am sorry to say was the reply she was not very well she tells me and she found the heat of the room rather trying are you speaking of the guest of the evening lady carleon inquired lady branswith sweetly yes she extremely regretted having to leave so early but she works hard you know and she is not at all robust here lady dexter's attention was distracted by the claims of a long-haired violinist desirous of performing a classical piece immediately which when it did begin had the effect of driving many people down to supper or out of the house altogether and in the general scrimmage on the stairs la marina found herself elbowing lord carleon your wife's gone home she said curtly why don't you go with her i have another engagement he answered coldly not with me she said showing all her even white teeth in a broad grin i talked ever so long to lady carleon this evening and told her just what i thought of you her eyes darkened furiously and the lines of her mouth grew hard and vindictive you wild cat he said savagely if you have dared <laughs> puss puss pretty puss laughed marina cats have claws my lord bill and they scratch occasionally with a swish of her silken skirts she darted past him into the supper-room where she immediately became surrounded by a circle of young noodles who evidently deemed it a peculiar glory and honour to be allowed to hand chicken salad to the gifted creature who nightly knocked her own nose with her foot in the presence of a crowded house what was any art compared to this what was science what was learning what was virtue nothing less than nothing to have a shapely leg and know how to hit your nose with your foot in every day proved to be the best way for a woman to have what is called a good time in this world she needn't be able to spell she may drop her h's broadcast she may booze on brandy but so long as the nose is hit every night with the foot in an accurate and rhythmic manner she will always have plenty of jewels and more male admirers than she can conveniently manage for there is no degradation that can befall a woman which man will not excuse and condone equally there is no elevation or honour she can win which he will not grudge and oppose with all the force of his nature for man loves to hold a strangulation grip on the neck of all creation women included and the idea that women should suddenly wrench herself out of his grasp and refuse to be either trapped like a hare hunted like a fox or shot like a bird is a strange new and disagreeable experience for him and very naturally he clings to the slave type of womanhood and encourages the breed of those who are willing to become dancers and toys of his harem for if all women were to rise to the height of their true and capable dignity where should he go for his so-called fun some thoughts of this kind were in lord carleon's head as he drew on his opera coat and prepared to leave the scene of revelry at the dexter's the pale noble face of delicia haunted him 
the disdain of her clear eyes still rankled in his soul and he was actually indignant with her for what he considered that offensive virtue of hers which shamed him and which had for a moment at least made the most distinguished lady branswith seem nothing but in common drab daubed with paint and powder even as he thought of her thus the fair and faithless lily approached him smiling with a coaxing and penitent air still huffy she inquired sweetly poor dear thing did it fret and fume and turn nasty she laughed and added don't be cross billy i was very rude to you just now i'm sorry <laughs> see and she folded her hands with an appealing air drive home with me will you i'm so lonely Bransworth's at newmarket carleon hesitated looking at her she was undoubtedly very lovely despite her artificial flesh tints and distinctly dyed hair all right he said with a standoffish manner of coldness and indifference i don't mind seeing you home how sweet and condescending of you billy and lady Bransworth threw on her mantle gleaming with iridescent jewels and showered with perfumed lace so good of you to bore yourself with my company her eyes flashed she was in a dangerous mood and garleon saw it in silence he piloted her through the rank of attendant flunkeys and when her carriage came bowling up to the door assisted her into it good night he then said raising his hat ceremoniously lady branswith turned white with sudden passion aren't you coming in she asked he smiled thoroughly enjoying the position no i have changed my mind i am going home to my wife lady branswith trembled but quickly controlled herself so right of you she said smiling so proper then putting out her hand she called him by the coat sleeve do you know what i wish for you she said slowly can't imagine he responded carelessly something nasty no doubt yes it is something nasty she laughed under her breath as she spoke something nasty yet very commonplace too i wish your wife may discover the kind of man you are and stop your allowances good night she smiled brilliantly the horses started suddenly and he drew back smothering an angry oath another moment and the carriage had rolled away leaving him alone staring at the pavement he stood for a little lost in a gloomy meditation then summoning a hansom was driven home at a brisk pace having made up his mind to face it out as he inwardly said with delicia she can't help loving me he mused she always has loved me and she is not a woman likely to change her feelings in a hurry i'm sorry she saw me with a little branswith and of course if that jade marina has really been talking to her there'll be a devil of a row i must make it right with her somehow and i think i know the best way to go to work here he smiled poor little woman i dare say she feels awfully sore but i know her character a few loving words and plenty of kisses and embraces and she'll be just the same as ever she was and-and by jove i'll see if i can't turn over a new leaf it'll be infernally dull but i'll try it and perfectly satisfied with the plan he had formulated in his own mind for setting things straight 
he arrived at his own house the door was opened to him by robson who informed him that her ladyship had returned about an hour ago and was waiting to see him in her study in her study did you say he repeated yes my lord her ladyship said would you kindly go up at once as soon as you came in a touch of nerves affected him as he threw off his coat and began to ascend the stairs he saw robson extinguish the gas in the hall and descend kitchenwards and a great silence and darkness seemed to encompass the house as he paused for a moment outside his wife's room then slowly and with some hesitation he lifted the velvet portiere and entered End of chapter 10